It's Thursday, December 12th. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this is The Daily Dive. 16-year-old Greta Thunberg, who rose to prominence this year for her passionate pleas for governments to take action on climate change, has been named the 2019 Time Person of the Year. The teen has become the leading face of a movement that has inspired millions of young people. She has spoken before the United Nations and met with numerous heads of state, including the Pope. Charlotte Alter, national correspondent for Time, joins us for why Greta Thunberg is the Person of the Year. Next, as we approach the end of the decade, let's take a look at the gadgets that made an impact. The story of tech in the 2010s is the story of gadgets being present in all parts of our lives all the time. Tech site The Verge has compiled a list of the top 100 gadgets of the decade that range from small mundane gadgets that we use to pass time to smartphones that set precedent for all other phones for years to come. Jake Kastronakis, editor at The Verge, joins us for more. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in. I shouldn't be up here. I should be back in school on the other side of the ocean. Yet you all come to us young people for hope. How dare you? You have stolen my dreams and my childhood with your empty words. And yet I'm one of the lucky ones. Joining us now is Charlotte Alter, national correspondent for Time. Thanks for joining us, Charlotte. Thanks so much for having me. So Time has put out their Person of the Year for 2019, and it is 16-year-old Greta Thunberg from Stockholm. She rose to global prominence, really, with her impassioned pleas for governments to take more action on climate change. She's the youngest person ever, actually, to win this honor. Charlotte, tell us a little bit about the selection process and why Time settled on Greta Thunberg. Person of the Year is not necessarily an honor or an accolade or a prize, even though it's often taken that way. It's meant to be a demonstration of the person or people who've had the greatest impact on the news of the world for good or for ill. So if you notice in past years, we've highlighted world leaders who may not necessarily be on the right side of history, but that year they were absolutely the most influential person in the world. So um, the process starts with a big meeting and we all get to get the whole staff gets together and talks about who we think the pick should be. And then there's a long reporting process where different reporters go off on different projects and try to report out different options. And this year, ultimately, Greta herself is the person of the year because it was very clear that she was the most compelling voice on the most important issue facing the planet. And we haven't done a person of the year about climate in more than 30 years since we did one about planet Earth. So now seems like a really good time to do one. I mean, it's interesting that you say that it is not an honor. I think a lot of people do kind of take it that way just because yeah. they're getting so much recognition, I guess. Other people that were in the running were Speaker Nancy Pelosi, President Trump, the Ukraine whistleblower, the Hong Kong protesters. And every year you name somebody and there's obviously the detractors. There's people that say, well, somebody else deserves it much more. Uh, somebody who's made maybe a bigger impact. She is only 16 years old. So I know mm -hmm. that there's a lot of that type of criticism that comes with it. That's one of the things that's so great about 
person of the year is that it sparks these conversations that gets people talking among their friends and among their peers and online about who was influential this year and why. And we're happy to be starting a conversation and maybe not everyone agrees with our choice and that's okay. Certainly Pelosi and the whistleblower and many of the other options that have been speculated have all been influential in their own right. For Greta Thunberg, you know, this this particular choice reflects not only the importance of climate change to everybody on the planet, not just in the United States, because, you know, we are a global brand, but also a rising tide of youth anger around the world about issues from climate change to income inequality to authoritarianism. And there are young people like Greta all over the world who are beginning to sort of realize that they might be inheriting a planet that is in much worse shape than their parents did. And so in many ways, our story is not really about just this one teenage girl, but about young people across the world. And the rise of Greta has happened so quickly. She really began this global movement when she started skipping school in August of 2018, not very long at all. Tell us how Greta started in climate activism. There was uh, something she saw at school and it threw her into a deep depression. And it really was this activism and starting these protests back at home that lifted her out of it. Greta learned about climate change in school in the way that a lot of kids do. Her teacher showed them a video that included information about plastic in the oceans and starving polar bears. And her classmates were able to kind of just sort of watch the video, learn the material, and then sort of move on to what was next, recess or math or whatever class they had next. And Greta was unable to sort of shake what she had seen. And later she was diagnosed with Asperger's syndrome, which helps explain why she was not able to compartmentalize this new information about our dying planet. But she sunk into a deep, deep depression when she was only about 11 years old and she stopped eating almost entirely. She stopped speaking. She stopped going to school. She was so thin that she had to be hospitalized and both of her parents had to take time off work in order to care for her. She was in a deep, dark sadness about the state of the planet and about the fact that she felt like world leaders weren't doing anything to solve this problem. And actually, when you meet Greta, she's 16 years old, but she looks more like she's 12. And that's because during that period of time, she ate so little that she was actually malnourished and it stunted her growth. So what happened was her parents tried to sort of reassure her in the way that a lot of parents do saying, you know, oh, it's going to be okay and don't worry so much. And then the more they read about it, the more they realized that actually she was right to be as concerned as she was. And so then they started changing a lot of their behavior. They stopped flying. They stopped eating meat mostly, although her younger sister still occasionally eats meat. And they really changed a lot of their habits. And that helped her heal a little bit, seeing that she was having some impact on at least how her family was living more sustainably. And then she entered a writing contest and her essay about climate change was was published in the newspaper and some activists contacted her and they talked about how they could be most effective. And she had read about the Parkland kids who had gone on strike to demand action on gun violence. And so she suggested that they do that. And the other activists ultimately kind of went in a different direction. So Greta decided to start the school strike by herself. And that was when she was able to really pull herself out of her depression because she felt like she was actually doing something to address the thing that had made her depressed in the first place. And the strike started off as 
just her. Then it was two people. Then it was more people. And it kept multiplying. Mm -hmm. And then there was thousands of people. And it really morphed into this thing, Fridays for the Future, because she couldn't stay out of school the entire time. So she was just doing it on Fridays, protesting, Mm -hmm. trying to get her government to get in line with the Paris Climate Accord. And Greta, I mean, she is just a child. She's 16 years old. She's not a scientist, a celebrity, although she might be coming one, you know, inadvertently here. But she grew to be such a voice in taking action on climate change. She's inspired tons of young people to also take action. People are saying, you know, I want to be just like her. Talk to us about the impact that she's made on the climate discussion. She started the strike, as you said, all alone. In August of 2018, by the end of the year, there were a couple thousand people joining her. And by early 2019, there were thousands marching across Europe. And by September, when Greta came to the U.S. for the U.N. General Assembly, on September 20th, there were four million people across the planet who went on strike to demand action on climate change. So to go from being all by yourself to inspiring 4 million people to join you. To make that shift in 13 months, that is a significant movement and a significant show of real influence. Since then, she's confronted world leaders. She's admonished various groups of powerful people gathered together from the UN to Davos to the parliament in the United Kingdom. And already, particularly in Europe, you're seeing government changing their behavior. And you're also seeing people begin to change their behavior because of her. She's starting this movement that is really changing the way people exist in the world and also changing the way people expect their governments to address this problem. Charlotte Alter, National Correspondent for Time. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. So it's a pretty expansive and eclectic list that includes everything from iPhones, obviously, but we also have some weirder stuff like webcam covers, which have become (laughs) weirdly common and are a way to kind of remove us from technology, too. Joining us now is Jake Kastronakis, editor at The Verge. Thanks for joining us, Jake. Hey, thanks so much for having me. You guys there at The Verge did a, uh, a top 100 list of the gadgets of the decade. So these are all things from 2010 to currently where we're at right now. And I love the way your editor-in-chief started the article there. The story of technology in the 2010s is the story of gadgets going from the corners of our lives to everywhere all the time. And it's so true. I think one of the biggest themes of gadgets really were smartphones and kind of the availability of them. We're on them all the time. People have made whole industries in in YouTubing and being influencers, and it's all run off their cell phones. I think it's one of the key gadgets of the past decade. What else do you consider some of the top gadgets of the decade? I think The Verge was kind of founded around this idea that increasingly tech is touching every corner of our lives. And the idea was that every story has this tech component to it. And that's just more and more true as the decade has gone on. So as we were looking at how we wanted to cover the decade, we wanted to talk about all of the devices that have made a difference and sort of impacted how we not just use our computers, but also just how we live. So it's a pretty expansive and eclectic list that includes everything from iPhones, obviously, but we also have some weirder stuff like webcam covers, which have become (laughs) weirdly common and are a way to kind of remove us from technology, too. And so, yeah, it's been a lot trying to balance all these different things. 
But I think looking through, you really get a good idea of just how many different directions tech has pushed us in this decade. Yeah, that's a totally a great point. And there's too many for us to cover just in this quick interview. Uh, you know, number 100 was Google Glass, which everybody, when yes. it came out, everybody <laughs> thought, oh my God, you know, this is going to be the future of augmented reality, things like that. And it was just kind of a flop for, you know, it's weird design and all, but I know developers took it on and it could be something more in the future, but it was one of those weird gadgets that came through. You mentioned the webcam covers. It's one of the specific ones that I highlighted in this list because it's such a tiny little thing, but everybody got freaked out at the moment when uh, you realize somebody can hack in your computer and take pictures of you and not even, and you can never know it. For Google Glass in particular, I love Google Glass as a concept. I think it did so much to kind of spur our imagination this decade about what tech can do, what augmented reality will be like in the future. Obviously, it was an utter failure, but I think it got us talking in a lot of really, really important ways. And I think that's one of the reasons that it made our list, that you can't not mention Google Glass if you're going to talk about the tech of right. the 2010s. Let's jump to number 20. This is on your website. Everybody can check out the whole list. It is pretty fun to go through, but let's jump to number 20, Jewel. And everybody, Absolutely. Knows, everybody knows these now. Obviously, we're going through this whole thing where there's all sorts of illnesses due to vaping. And Jewel themselves got into a lot of trouble with the marketing that they were doing. They are, without a doubt, though, one of the gadgets of the decade. Jewel is here, I think, for better or for worse. And obviously, the research is still out there on whether it is a better smoking cessation device or whether it's something that people should you know, just entirely steer clear of. But they're everywhere now, and they're increasingly being used by teenagers, and that's going to have very likely some deleterious effects down the road. And this is something that rose up as potentially a good thing this decade, was sort of the pitch early on, and increasingly we're seeing the harms there. And this is something we're absolutely going to have to contend with in the next decade. And so I think it absolutely needs to be something that we remember as we're looking back at what happened. Number 12 on this list is a TV remote with the Netflix button. And I think this speaks a little bit more to just how important Netflix has become, a leader in the streaming options and the streaming wars, as people call them. But to be able to access that on a smart TV so quickly, definitely an important gadget. Absolutely. This was a decade all about streaming and streaming boxes were a big deal, right? Roku devices, Chromecast, Fire TV. But when it comes down to it, the single thing that maybe summed it up the best was just the fact that a ton of TV remotes now have a Netflix button on them. Because that's really all you want, just to jump straight to Netflix and avoid the whole mess of cable and all of these interfaces. So that's why we have this ranked so high, because even though all of these other streaming devices could do so much more, this was really the thing that mattered. Number seven on this list, Apple Watch Series 3. But I think just the Apple Watch in general really kind of led the way for the wearables. A lot of people ended up buying their watch, not to only tell time, but to keep track of their heart rates, to keep track of their steps and all that stuff. You know, there was Fitbit and all these other ones, but I think the Apple watch really just brought it together for everybody. It was a decade where we were trying to figure out what exactly we wanted from wearables and tech companies kind of took a lot of different shots. And even the first Apple watch, Apple thought maybe it was more about communications and they slowly backed away from that and figured out that, no, this is 
really a device that people want fitness information from. And the Series 3 was the one that kind of nailed that. It was core focused on fitness and it did have that notifications element very streamlined. And so that was sort of why we honed in on this because the Apple Watch Series 3 was really the fitness gadget that figured it out this decade. Number six, Apple AirPods. Everybody hated them at first and now everybody owns them. Walking around New York, they are just ubiquitous now. I feel like I see them in somebody's ears every single time I walk out the door. They've gone from this very goofy looking thing to this completely normal part of daily life. You just expect somebody to have something hanging out of their ears and more than likely it's a pair of AirPods. Number five, Tesla Model S. Really kind of the first electric car that seemed to matter to a lot of people. It looked great. The technology inside of it is freaking stellar. I mean, that console in the middle looks like two iPads put together. Really one of the top uh, electric cars there. It obviously has immense importance as far as electric cars go and furthering those in the market and the demand for them. But I'd also just point out that it's also a car that really operated like a gadget in a lot of different ways because of all that tech in there and because Tesla kept adding new updates to it over time, improving what the car can do. And that's just not something that we were used to in the traditional model of a car where you would just buy it and that was that. The Tesla is very much this living item and that's very much changed how we think about cars. Number two, the Amazon Echo. And this really started ushering in the whole thing of smart assistants and your home speaker systems like that, where you can just talk to it, play me music, find me information. The Amazon Echo was really important there. Amazon didn't invent the smart assistant, but it did invent the smart speaker as a category. Uh, Amazon was not in the smartphone game. It had decidedly lost that. And it went back to the drawing board. And what it figured out was if we just put a voice assistant in a speaker, maybe that can be helpful to people. And that has just created this entirely new idea about how we can interact with our devices. This idea that there's just always something listening to us, again, for better or for worse. But that speaker is there ready to listen to your commands. And especially now that they have the much cheaper Echo models, it's just really easy to put these everywhere through your house. And the number one gadget of the decade, uh, we've been talking a lot about uh, smartphones and everything, but this is kind of the one, not that started it all, but kicked it off in a new way, the Apple iPhone 4. The iPhone 4 was sort of a no contest for us. Like we've been saying, smartphones were kind of at the core of defining tech this decade. So it had to be that we put a smartphone at the top of our list. And the iPhones are the most successful phones out there. And the iPhone 4 in particular really set the template for what a smartphone looks like. It had an incredible design. It had a high-res display. It had a selfie camera. And these things don't sound particularly exciting right now, but that's because this phone a decade ago defined them. And maybe the bigger thing is that this was also the first phone that you could buy on any major carrier network in the United States, whereas before they were limited to AT&T. And so it's really just opened up the smartphone market to everyone. Whereas before you might have looked at the iPhone and gone, oh, that seems cool. Maybe I'll get a smartphone one day. Now it was absolutely an option to you. And as everyone knows, people very quickly bought a lot of iPhones. Jake Kastronakis, editor at The Verge. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks. I appreciate it.
That's it for today. Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow us on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcast. This episode of The Daily Dive is produced by Victor Wright and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this was your Daily Dive. 